and that music can only mean one thing that's right it's another podcast another week and another random film we've taken a break from our terminator franchise uh, as james isn't available but who is available is paul for a change paul how are you good to have you back are you gonna answer paul Oh. oh, sorry, mate. Yeah, I, I idiot. Muted my microphone. Fuck I'm so Nora. <laughs> there you go, listeners. This is the reason why Paul has Ooh. not been on the podcast for a yeah. long while. Yeah. He has Bless been him. there. He just hasn't been able to talk. Uh, yeah, the screen's in black for himself. six months. If we say over after everything, will it help you realise that it's like a question and it's ending? Yeah, it might do. It might do. How are you, yeah, Paul? No. Over? I, yeah, thanks. It's good Proceed. to be back. <laughs> it's good to be back and um i've still yet to catch up with all your uh heavenly work <laughs> and neil how are you doing buddy i'm good i'm even better now after that that's that's brightened my evening straight <laughs> away there are so many reasons why we do not charge this podcast and never will but, uh, <laughs> They're highlighting every single week in various ways. <laughs> okay, yeah, we're um we're back, and as I say, we're taking a break from doing a Terminator, which which is kind of a shame because I've just I've watched as the fifth one, I believe it is, or the fourth one. Which one is it? We've just done we've done the fourth one, haven't we? Just done the fourth Terminator. Yes, yeah. Just finished watching the fifth one. Uh, so yeah, it'd be nice to talk about that, but we're kind of staying with the same theme in a way because. We're staying with McGee. We are doing, uh, currently shown on Netflix, 2017 McGee's black comedy horror called The Babysitter. And this is just something random. Or As I always say on the pod, that I like to do something divisive. Um, it makes a change from just agreeing with the same old things. And I don't think you guys have actually seen this film before. Is that right? No, I hadn't until you asked me to watch it. <laughs> Such conviction. <laughs> you can guess which way Neil's going to go. Well, that, <laughs> So, I haven't seen it, but um, you know I like flicking through the horror films on Netflix. It's always one that sort of come up, and you look at the, I don't know, and I just always skip past it. But it was, it was worth a go. Yeah, wonder why. Oh, it was theory B, that is harsh. <laughs> yeah. I wish you had. No, I mean, I, I saw this film quite a while back when it came out, and it just because it was something different, the cover's really catchy. It's got a picture of Samara Weaving, who's the star of this film, uh, and I just thought, why not to give it a go? It's a McGee film. You never know what you're going to get with McGee, as we've proven on Terminator. Is it, is it Rise of the Machine? Salvation. Uh, is that what? Yeah. When I thought it was going to be crap, I said it would be shit because of. of um charlie's angels franchise and what he did mm. to that that i was proved wrong so and uh i'm gonna fight my corner on this one but yeah it stars um samara weaving who's the niece of um jesus christ the other uh, hugo weaving from lord of the rings and matrix fame um she Ooh. plays b who is the babysitter and you've got judah lewis who plays cole you've got robbie amell who's always so good looking with his top off ripped and unbelievably, his brother, Stephen Amell, is even better looking, who plays Arrow. And if you want to listen to more about that, we've got a Flaro podcast. And you've got Hannah Mae Lee, who plays Sonia. You may know from Pitch is it Pitch Perfect 1, 2 and 3, which I've watched many a time. Bella Thorne, who plays Alison. And uh, Emily Aylin Lind, who plays Melanie, who's the girl opposite. And Andrew Batchelor, who plays John. And we can't forget Doug Haley, who plays Samuel, who is a very 
small part in this, but quite a significant part, especially when it comes to covering John's face in blood. But did you recognise the mum, Leslie Bibb, from this? I did, but where is she from? Because I couldn't place it. She's from that terrible series, or is it Jupiter Legacy? Or oh, is she in that? Is she? Yeah, she plays the wife um, of like the, the main main character in that, um, and she looks quite aged in that. But yeah, and she plays the reporter in Iron Man One and yes. Two as well. Yes, she does. The one who sleeps with Tony Stark. But yeah, and it's weird. Yeah. Ken Marino, who plays the dad, he's always one of those people where. You know you've seen him in something, but you just can't guess what he's in. Mm. And I had that all the way through, and it's really weird, because even when I looked through IMDb, I couldn't find out really what I'd seen him in. And then I remembered, because I'm getting old, I'd seen him in this ages ago. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my, that's brilliant. It's so fucking sad. It really is. But, I mean, what expectations uh, did you have, if any, going into this film? Go on, Paul. What expectations did you have? I expected uh, a slasher pick. Um, I I expected suspense, thrills (laughs) and blood spills. (laughs) Wow. Neil, did you expect anything? Um, I expected it to be cheesy, just from the front cover and stuff like that. Um, but I hadn't really looked into it. I wanted to go into it blind, like I do most of the things that you ask me to watch. Because um, if I do read up about it, I probably wouldn't watch half of it. Um, but yeah, no, I, I didn't know what to expect. I was hoping it would be sort of a fun, a fun sort of slasher horror potentially you know have some jump scares and stuff in it mm. yes but that's that's what i was hoping for because <clears throat> this was due to come out of the cinema and then netflix came in and bought it for 10 million dollars um so you kind of think does that do you think that could have lost out of the cinema or did that do uh McGee and uh brian duffield a favor who actually uh wrote wrote this and direct obviously McGee directed this but it comes off the back. I mean, the cast are quite well known. Samara Weaving and Robbie Amell. I mean, Robbie Amell's been in a lot of things and he's one of those things, people you'd have seen and you recognise him in loads of things. But I think, I didn't know what to expect when I first watched this and I just knew it was called The Babysitter and obviously it gives it away with the knife. And But what way it was going to go? And I was really, honestly, pleasantly surprised and I can't wait to find out the bits that you didn't like Neil because I get the impression that Paul possibly did like it but I know you hated it so I mean the story for anyone who hasn't seen it obviously this will contain spoilers this podcast so if you haven't seen the film go and watch it now and then come back and listen to this podcast but it's very very simple when Cole stays up past his bedtime um, he discovers his hot babysitter um, is performing a satanic ritual along with her friends and that is the basic plot line where Cole, we soon learn from the offset of the film, is a child who's he's quite a good-looking young lad, to be honest, and he's painted up to be some kind of geek. So it reminds me of. Who's that? He, he reminded me of a young Bobby Davro. Uh, not, not Bobby Davro. Um, <laughs> <laughs> River <laughs> Phoenix. Season two, why people don't pay for this. <laughs> River, River Phoenix. We've gone from River Phoenix to Bobby Davro. <laughs> 
Yeah, younger oh, than Phoenix. Phoenix from he's he's going to love that comparison. He's going to use that. Not Bobby Davro. For the UK listeners, you'll know who that is. For anyone else, you won't. Google him. Oh, my God. Please watch this film, guys, and see if Cole reminds you of a young Bobby Davro. <laughs> Let us know at the filmrealcast at gmail.com. Oh, my God. It is so good to have you back, Paul, honestly. Thanks, mate. <laughs> Oh, this shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> so glad I'm recording this. Okay. Uh, if anyone has put a picture up of Bobby Davro, UK comedian, and you will realise why we're laughing so much. <laughs> Absolutely priceless. But, oh, yeah, I just so don't you know how you got to Bobby Davro. How we got to that? Oh, don't ask. River Phoenix, that's, that's unreal. <laughs> Not even near the same name. Not even. <laughs> <laughs> the same generation. Yeah. yeah. You've heard of Ken Arthur Strong. Right. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Stu. You're in your flow. No, that's <clears> just <throat> perfect. Please, honestly, interject with any comments like that. And <laughs> take them on board because they're just superb. But, yeah, we right. soon learn our, our hero, which he is, um, Cole. He's a complete geek. I'd say he's a good-looking lad, but he's a complete geek. And you learn from the start, a bit of foreshadow, when he's at the doctor. What are you giving me shit for, man? I mean, I just saw you earlier today. We said hi. I said, hey, Cole. You said, hey, Mrs. Davis. Why are you giving me shit today? I mean, it's just the needle, man. Damn, come over here and get the shot. Ain't nothing to be scared of. 62 kids came here, got a shot. No problem. You come in here, take 10 minutes. I got 84 kids more to go, okay? We're boys, man. Be cool. Shit, man. Are you gonna take the shot? Step over here and take the shot, just like you take some ass. There's nothing to be scared of. And the doctor's in the second one. Um, you've seen the second one, Paul, haven't you? He's straight off the back, yeah. Yeah, good man. And he is in the second one. And you soon get the way the comedy is gonna be in this film. And I really enjoy the comedy in this. I think it's it's not particularly clever, but it, it's kind of like um, Scream, where they talk you through what people do expect and the stereotype and the tropes and different things like that. And they do it in such a clever way that, for me, it doesn't ruin it. And I, I, what did you think of uh, like the introduction to this, the introduction to Cole's character, guys? He's just think- a massive geek, isn't he, little... Dweeb is what I call him. A dweeb. He yeah. wears glasses. He gets picked on, and he's scared of needles. He's a, he's a he's the kid that everyone picks on at school. Yeah, exactly. And he's got. Then you bump into um, the girl who you find out the next door neighbour. Again, all these characters are in number two in a, in a really really bizarre way. They're in number two. Um, Melanie, who's a really nice girl from next door who's probably the only girl you realise apart from um, B who's got his back. And again, it doesn't take itself serious. The dad turns up and the dad is... Pro- I don't know if he's having like a midlife crisis or he's just a full-on dick, but he turns up in a muscle car and just revs the car in front of Cole as if he's some kind of threat and that the dad's got to prove a point. To I think we learn that Cole's a 12-year-old kid, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. And he's such a dick with it. But, I mean, this kind of highlights you, Neil, that this film's going to be shit already, or did you find this amusing of what was actually going on? I did not find this amusing Why is that? at all. Why is that? Probably because of his acting, to be honest. The guy 
just he was just I don't know. It, it, I just didn't find it funny. I just didn't find it funny at all. I don't know why. It just from the moment this film started, it just got progressively worse for me. But this bit, I was just I didn't find it funny. I can't I can't put a finger on it apart from it just it was hmm. just shit. What about yourself, Paul? The introduction of Cole and uh, Melanie and her dad and the Doctor, kind of the way they were introduced. What, what were your kind of general sense? Having never seen this film before, you do get a rough idea within the first ten minutes or fifteen minutes of this is going to be a slog, or I'm quite enjoying the flow of this. What did you think? I didn't think it would be a slog. I think they, they built his character very quickly. You could see that from the outset he was a Poindexter. Um, and uh, when they introduced, yeah, you could see that, that, that Melanie was, she was, you know, a good friend of his. Um, but Dad, when he turned up, you can tell that he was an absolute tool, um, revving his revving his car, and, and like you say, as if as if Cole was some kind of threat. Um, and he was just, he was almost like, yeah, he just wanted to go out to try and impress, to intimidate, maybe. So, yeah, and I think they kind of. They made a point of breaking him down just for the fact that throughout the film he's going to have his own arc that is going to be built up and all of his weaknesses and everything that he's frightened of, the complete opposite, turns into his strengths of how he kind of wins the film. So it is kind of tropey, but they, I, I thought they took those kind of boxes well. They, they needed to go through them and they went through them pretty yeah. smart. I mean, even when you meet Jeremy, you know Jeremy's going to come into it later on. Jeremy's is the other next door neighbour who bullies him and who has bullied him for a long time. I mean, I don't... It's got his two stooges with him, like they always have in these yeah. films. And I don't quite get... I mean, one of them looks like a, a 15-year-old Ron Jeremy porn porn star, but they do that kind of Y salute. And I don't get why they did that, do you? The Y salute? It was uh, just maybe it's just, yeah. something that they, just one of the things they did, I suppose. Just, to, yeah. just to show he's part of their, part of their group mentality because right. it's from there when they push him on the floor and that's when we first see b and she makes quite an entrance but she threatens jeremy and she whispers something in his ear of yeah. what she'd do to him and having obviously seen this film numerous times and knowing what she's capable of i would love to know what she whispers in jeremy's ear as a threat it makes his eyes water and even she he says to her like you're one twisted bitch so <laughs> I honestly would love to hear that. And her entrance is really, really good. I think she's absolutely stunning. And it's good that she's so skinny and like beautiful and kind of weak, but she's such a nutcase and so deadly and she's so confident with it, which can be tropey, but I thought it suited her and she played it really, really she, well. What did you she think? She played it well, very well, yeah. And is I'm it is it the first time you've seen Tamara Weaving in anything? Or Tamara Weaving, sorry. Probably, yeah. I, I, yeah, you know what I'm like with um, memory of films and that, but uh, probably I'd say. I've just gone through the what she's been in, actually. I don't think it's... Um, bizarrely, when you bring up the cast lists, she's not in it. When you bring up... When I look on, on the internet... No, you have to go to IMDb. If you actually Google it, I tried when I was watching it, and she doesn't come up. So How weird is that? Why is that, that is odd. Think? I have no idea. She's My in, first um, thought was because she was embarrassed, but then she made a second one. So, <laughs> But she is in a really, really good film called Ready or Not, which was out of the cinema, which is another comedy, and it's another black comedy. 
and it's I can honestly promise you it's really really funny it's uh, not done by a McGee at all but it, it's an incredibly funny film and it's got a twist on she's married and there's certain rituals that his family go through and one of them's a game of hide and seek and it's really really weird um we've lost neil due to technical issues but i am pleased to say we've got bobby davro no we've got paul with us still <laughs> so uh we're going to carry on talking about this film and i think we're going to get two <clears> opinions <throat> that pretty much match so it'll be i think it'll be quite enjoyable but yeah the int- um ready or not is a film that um samara weaving's in which is really really entertaining i completely recommend that to anyone who's not seen it it's a real black comedy and the ending to that is as bizarre as the ending to this film but i found the relationship because it's clear from the start that um b's cole's relationship and she's been doing it for a while and you learn out there is learn the reasons why but she's their relationship is strange isn't it that and, mm. and you can be kind of forgiven for his kind of his feelings towards her yeah you, you can you can tell that he's in, infatuated with her and, and you know and when he gets into the car she catches him looking at her boobs doesn't she and like, yeah he sort of looks away and you know so you can see that he's yeah he, he fancies her um but you're right it is a strange relationship they have um because she's really, I don't know her age, I should imagine she'd be about 18 years old, wouldn't she? Roughly. Probably aimed at that sort of age, yeah. yeah. Old, old enough to be a, a babysitting minors, yeah. Yeah, and she's he's 12, he highlights that. and So the age difference is, is pretty strange. Um, for her not to kind of tell him off about looking at her boobs and, mm. and everything, it's really weird. And in the swimming pool, mm. when they're swimming, like she's got a bikini on and she's obviously knows what she's doing because she's so confident about herself that that she carries on doing it yeah and uh, she's kind of confident enough to not need that reassurance from especially a 12 year old which <laughs> makes it really really bizarre yeah i think as well they've got and <clears throat> they, they they sort of uh, they do that little mon- not little montage isn't it when they yeah, sort of things that they do together, and they do that dance, which really winds me up when they do like choreography, you know, uh, choreography yeah. dances um, in films uh, with the music in the background, and that you can see that there's something that they would have done in the past. So again, it sort of like shows how long they've been friends for. You know, yeah, it's really weird because I can't imagine anyone actually does that. Maybe some like 14 year old girls on TikTok. I can't imagine. Like an eighteen-year-old and a twelve-year-old, as you say, would do a choreography dance or yeah. choreographed dance choreographed in the, the lounge it, yeah. together. But yeah. one thing that really freaked me out is when he goes to speak to his mum. She says, "Oh, we've got a spider problem," but she doesn't. Kind of, she fails to describe it as a tomb from Indiana Jones, where there's actual <laughs> tarantulas <laughs> under a house. They're, yeah. they're enormous. I mean, surely. I mean, obviously, I I don't know what America's like, but. Surely people don't have tarantulas under their house. You'd get the pest control in, wouldn't you? You would do. If you did. You wouldn't send... Yeah. No, you, you wouldn't go underneath it. There's no way in hell I would go underneath a house. They were huge. But that, yeah. that, but that plays out later on, doesn't it? That we, we see that later on in the film. It does. And I, I knew it had to be some kind of foreshadow for yeah. something. Because it, it's such a bizarre problem to have that you've got a tarantula problem in your house and you're quite happy smiling about it and you're laying mouse traps down. It's uh it's something that most houses don't do, but 
it's it's really really good fun um foreshadow and again you get a glimpse of the dad over the road who's proud of his car cleaning his car <laughs> yeah. and when he puts the hose in front of his dick as if he's like pissing or juicing everywhere it, again it's a really weird thing a to do it in front of his daughter oh, and to do it to the 12 year old kid opposite <laughs> he's obviously got some kind of um oh, built to be a confidence issue or just yeah I, it, it's 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 odd isn't it like he's yeah he's odd <laughs> yeah it, it's absolutely bizarre and again, they kind of tick those foreshadowing box when he's with his dad, who's given him kind of reassuring words of advice for a, I wouldn't even call it a driving test because the car's got to move. But it kind of shows you how close they are with his, what his dad says to him mm. and that he can't drive a car. He's too scared. Is and, that timid? Yeah. Yeah. And it's I, I think it's really well done because it shows the kind of dynamics of their relationship and the fact yeah. that he can't drive um, and they do it in a way that I don't think is too over the top and as you say after that it you do get the foreshadow the parents are going away which yeah. sets up the plot um, for B to actually come in and look after him and it's I, I kind of blame the his blame Melanie for this the whole film Melanie's responsible for it really the next door neighbour, because she's the one who suggests when babysitters are um, downstairs and you're meant to be asleep, that they have orgies and sex parties and stuff like that. That's right. Yeah. And the um, just going back to what you said a minute ago about the, the foreshadowing, that car as well, the, the, the driving thing where you're too timid to drive, that plays out later as well. Yes. Yeah, um, completely. But, mm, but um, you just see that he build his confidence at the end of the film. He just thinks, you know, anyway, um, yeah, she does. She 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 sows that seed in his mind, and he's obviously curious, uh, which what gets him into trouble. Yeah, and it's interesting because when I first watched this, uh, that you see when he's at school and he's looking at the fence and he sees um, B, and he's with this really really geeky guy, and that's the guy who plays a very small part, um, yeah. Samuel. Yeah. And I couldn't work out whether because she's so affectionate to um cole whether she's one of those people that likes geeky people and uh, this is proved again when she's with samuel who is a greasy head skinny like typical stereotypical geek isn't he yeah that is exactly what went through my mind when i saw her with him i thought maybe that's just the kind of you know the, the guy that she goes for and one thing i do like is i don't know if you've seen scott pilgrim versus the world it's quite a cult film. It's quite an old film. I saw it at the cinema ages ago. And it's that it's a guy, Scott Pilgrim, who really fancies this girl. And to date this girl, um, he's got to go through all of the previous relationships that he's had, like a computer game, and kind of um, beat them. And they've all got different skills and abilities. And, and once he beats them, he can date her. And it's a really, really good film. If you get a chance to watch it, I'd watch it. it, it okay. It's great. Um, and when they're in the kitchen talking about uh, like the best people to take down aliens and robots and things like that. Who would you have? Um, which yes. famous people? Um, and when they start naming them, that it comes up on the screen. Mm. And I, I think that's, I just like stuff like that. I mean, Tarantino does stuff like that a lot. And that is in Scott Pilgrim as well. When he like, when he gets beaten, he loses a life or the score comes up on the screen. Mm. I just think little things like that are really entertaining. And I know 
that they've been done before, but I thought in this film, it's quite a fresh uh, popcorn film, this, isn't it? It's quite yeah. like a disposable film. You'll watch it, get a lot of enjoyment, and you don't have to go back to it. Because... I liked it, yeah. I, I liked that bit too, where it, you, you didn't, it's something you weren't, didn't expect, and that almost led you into a full sense of security that it was going to be not as gruesome, albeit the gruesome was comical. Yeah. It wasn't as gruesome as it actually would turn out to be. Yeah, because they're getting on so well and they've got so much in common. And, and at this point, when I first watched it, I started to think, is it going to be your traditional home invasion film where he's upstairs and she's like the damsel in distress mm. and that they try, someone tries to break in uh, and she's got to kind of fend them off and, and she won't be able to do that because she's so skinny and has nothing to offer. But it, it soon does go in the wrong direction. And, and they kind of tease you with they sit outside and watch a film on a projector and it's just it, it's an amazing time for a child his age to be with a woman like that yeah. you know and it, it's incredible and he's really really in his element and before she goes to bed what she does is make him have a uh like a shot of like brandy or something mm. um and she does that in the guise of look this is a secret you won't tell your parents drinking and just to get him on side and earn that trust. And it's kind of like to manipulate him a bit. And he yeah. does the wise thing of saying, why don't you have one as well? Which kind of shocks her because she doesn't expect that um, to drink with him. And then he does the right thing. He just pours it um, in this pot plant and pretending he's drunk it. And we yeah. later learn that she's actually drugged that to knock him out um, for the rest of the evening. So that kind of saved his life in a way, didn't it? Yeah. Because he was going to be, yeah, he was going to be killed, wasn't he? Sacrificed. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I think they were going to, I didn't know whether they were going to drain his blood or whether they were just going to keep him. I wasn't too sure whether if he didn't wake up, he would have been oblivious to everything happening. And possibly has it happened before? Or mm. is this the first time and that they were just going to take that small vial of blood? Because she says to me, you must sleep and turns out the light. And that's, he contacts uh, Melanie over the road. And says, go down and watch him. They're having an orgy. And bless him, he even looks up on the internet of what an actual orgy is. Yeah. And it's yeah. so sweet. It just shows his vulnerability, his naivety. naivety he doesn't yeah. know what's going on. Yeah. And they're playing spin the bottle. And the characters, I, I, I think, are so funny. You, John is just, is just an idiot. He's a, a show-off. He's a loud mouth. He's really confident. Max is a jock. He's the muscle. And yeah. he clearly gets the girl, and Alison's the cheerleader. And to prove that point, she's in a uniform. Alison was hilarious. I think she was one of my favourite characters, cause, just because she was just so funny. Yeah, they're all really blunt. And Sonia is really strange. In Pitch Perfect, she's a character who's um, in this uh, a cappella group. And she doesn't really talk. And she whispers, and no one can hear what she's saying. Mm. Um, but when she sings, obviously you can hear her and she does um, different things. But it's really interesting <laughs> to hear her in a speaking role mm. because I've seen Pitch Perfect so many times and I'm really, really guilty pleasure like that film that it's nice to see her talk. And, and it surprised me that, I mean, the second one, we won't ever review the second one, I doubt. But it's interesting that these came back in the second one. Yeah. Uh, and it really, really surprised me. And we can talk about that at the end, if that's right. But they're playing mm. spin the bottle in the lounge. And it all comes across as really nice. And you you kind of get the hint that something's wrong. 
just because they're all so good looking apart from Samuel, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. And a geek. The sacrificial lamb. Yeah, and he really, really is. And it's interesting that Samuel doesn't realise that something isn't right as to why all these really good looking popular people would want to hang around with him, you know? Although he does get suspicious because he, he stands up and he's like, I don't know you guys. Yeah. Yeah, because they do play dare, don't they? Mm, and mm. Um, uh, this is all obviously choreographed by the whole group who appear to be kind of talking spontaneously and giving each other dares that they don't know about. And I should imagine they've done this numerous times before. And Cole's watching up to the top of the stairs. Uh, and one of the dares is that B's got to go around and kiss everyone. And she just kisses um, Max on the lips. And then she really, really goes for it uh, when it's her turn to go and kiss Alison, the cheerleader. Mm. And <laughs> that gets a rise from everyone, especially Samuel, who can't believe his luck. <laughs> and she goes, and it's amazing. And I, I did not know what to expect because the kiss is is just incredible. And the, it's so over the top when the yeah. two girls kiss each other. Yeah. Um, and even John, the black guy, is like, uh, what is happening here? I don't think he even expected that. And he puts his lip seal on, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's rushing to get it on. He can't get it on quick enough. <laughs> it's so funny. He's just such a funny character. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so and she just gives Sonia a little kiss and then she crawls over to Samuel. And as you said earlier, mate, that it's then that he feels really uncomfortable that I don't even know you. And this just mm. isn't right. Mm. And when she kind of reassures him to close your eyes and I'll kiss you, she pulls out two like Rambo style knives yeah. and sinks them into the top of his head. I mean, what did you think when that happened? <laughs> it's completely unexpected. That, like you said, you know, you you know that she's got a significant part in it because it's called the babysitter. You know, you've you've already she's already threatened one of um, Cole's neighbours, so you know that she's capable of doing something because he was obviously scared by it. So you're thinking, well, maybe you know, maybe she is there to to to, to save the day if the, you know that someone comes in and tries to you know with a knife and starts killing people. But when she did that, that was just completely that was. Completely unexpected. Yeah, it was so, so funny. And when they're trying to get the blood into like this goblet and uh, you've got John the other side who's tapping at nothing will come out. (laughs) And when suddenly it comes out like a hose (laughs) all in his face, the lines he comes out with are just superb. It's so funny. I I don't know whether it it was that funny. I wonder whether it was actually ad libbed. Yeah, just it looked like it was ad lib, just because he he was uh, it was completely unexpected, and the face full of blood was there was no way of getting away from that. And the reaction from people like Max, from like Robbie Hamill, uh, seemed really genuine. Like he was actually laughing, and it, yeah. John seems the kind of guy. And I, I, you're probably right, mate, that that could make this up as quick. Yeah, uh, just his natural reaction because it really, really shocked me and. It diffused the whole scene so, so fast of, like, where could this go from here? Yeah. And you've got poor old Cole, who's gone from witnessing possibly his first lesbian moment 
to his to a murder to then someone covered in absolute blood and Max out of everyone so far seems or Max and B just don't seem to give a toss. Max has got the corpses playing with the, the mouth, the hand. Yeah. He's an absolute nutcase. Yeah, he's loving it. Oh, he really, really is. And uh, he goes, um, Cole goes upstairs, understandably freaked out as to what to do. And that's when they all come in his bedroom. And that, then you discover that the reason why she knocked him out was to get that vial of blood and that he's unconscious. Yeah. And that uh, they need an innocent to carry out the ritual, which again plays back to the start when he had his injection and you learn of when he screamed and that just how frightened of injections he is. Yeah. So it kind of goes full circle and you do get that tension is, is he going to scream? If he does scream, he's a child. What would they do uh, to Cole if he did wake up? Because surely they, they wouldn't kill a child. But, but, you, but you know what they're capable of because you just see them. But- had put two knives in the back of someone's skull. Yeah, and that's the thing. And he goes back to bed and he doesn't know that when he was pretending to be asleep, that B was standing there looking at him all the time because she had her suspicions because the window was open that he was awake and she does catch him out. And when he wakes up, and in quite like an iconic picture, poster picture, they're all standing there looking at him and he's tied to a chair, which again does lead to quite a funny moment where... He's talking to him about what's going on. And to be honest, to be fair, considering the child at the start of it who was so vulnerable and weak, that he's back chatting and he isn't scared, is he? Yeah, I, he, he was. Because he tried to escape from the window, didn't he, as well? He was trying to. He, yes. he, set, he set up a, a, a rope ladder, a rope with those from his bed sheets and that. And he was petrified. You could see the look in his face when he was behind the, the, ba- the, behind the, the, the slats of the banisters, wondering what to do. To go from that to <clears throat> the dialogue he was coming out with when he was tied uh, to the to the chair with his, with his hands at the back, he had that little knife. Um, that was really unexpected. Really unexpected because I wouldn't expect that jump from somebody who was so so scared to somebody who was backchatting murder, murderers. No, completely. And, and he gives a really good backchat out. And he's got a pocket knife behind him that... Um, uh, B gave him and he's there cutting the, the rope as if trying to escape whilst talking to him trying to kind of I don't know, trying to get more time and they can see him in the mirror yeah. which is angled <laughs> that he's cutting the rope and he carries on and it's yeah. I think it's Alison who gives such a funny commentary isn't it yeah 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 that's hilarious and I think he so continues cool. he continues afterwards I know she, you know we can see you but he still goes at it yeah, fair play. Um, you can already see from the character he was, I mean, this is only really the murders happened. And it's just short of um, just over 35 minutes into the film. Yeah. Uh, and they ask him who else knows about this and what are you going to do? And they kind of do the, the usual baddie thing of that. They tell him everything of what's going to happen. And it's because he says and he plays dumb about orgies and that's the only reason why I come downstairs and that's what you were doing. I won't tell mum and dad you had an orgy. And they were, I think, I don't know what your thoughts are, they did lean towards the the, the kind of letting him go. Yes, you're right, Because he didn't did. know anything. Did you think that? Yeah, they, they, and they did. And that's yeah, that was a nice little suspense builder. But then obviously they changed their mind. and Yeah. Yeah, because the did. police turn up, don't they? And they realise he's called the police. 
And I had no idea how this would play out. Once the police turn up, it's already reported that someone's been murdered downstairs. I didn't know what was going to happen. Did you? No. Well, I, in my in my head, I thought, well, this is obviously it's not going to be the end of the film because it was a very short, crap film. But <laughs> I didn't expect to see two police officers get completely slotted and dealt with by oh, uh, a group of teenagers. Yes. It's so funny. As you say, you get the two cops run through the door yeah. and they've got their guns blazing. And at the time, you've got Max who's holding a like a poker full of fire. That's right. And they come yeah. in pointing their guns at everyone and Max throws his poker all the way across the room and it goes into the eye of one of the cops. Yeah. And he's kind of flaying around everywhere with this poker going, going right through his head. The yeah. other one's still got his gun pointed. And whilst he's trying to take control of the situation, B comes behind him cuts his throat with the the knife that um yeah. cole had and again john is covered in the guy's claret yeah, he always gets it which is good and that and that does that reigns through to the second episode as well and the, the second film as well yes it's so yes. funny and the violence it is a really violent film don't get me wrong but it's kind of like cartoon violence isn't it that it's it so over the top it, and it's kind of proven the two knives in the head it's way over the top and to remove the poker from the officer's head that instead of just pulling it out max wiggles it and then lifts it lifting the top of the guy's head off and blood yeah. goes absolutely everywhere yeah and i i think it's only my own personal opinion people have got their own different opinions on blood and uh, kind of how they feel when they see it but i think it's done so over the top it takes any belief out of the film's gore uh that's what i kind of got i, yeah, I, I agree what... no absolutely so i mean i, I don't like watching I, anything anything like quentin tarantino films or you know things where you, you, it's which is believable i don't like that kind of violence and that and that kind of gore but when you watch something like this it's acceptable you know you potentially got the same action but because it's because it's it's married with humor and you know it's like you say it's like cartoon violence you can yeah. actually sit there watching it without thinking oh you know you don't, you don't get that disgust well i certainly didn't no completely and yeah i think and because they do it in comedy it's not it obviously it is sinister they've just ripped his yeah. head off but it as you said it, it isn't watching an innocent person get his ear cut, cut off like and and it's done in a way that this is just so over the top like Alison gets shot in the boob yeah. and she's only interested in the fact that she's so young and she's, she loves her figure and no one's going to fancy her because she's going to one flat she, she, she has some of the best lines there was that line when she got shot in the boob she said no one's going to want to suck my nipples can't do that what? <laughs> why not because your boob was shot by a now dead cop have fun explaining that no it's who's gonna motor both these be <laughs> how you like it let me know you want them quick or you want them long you want a little spit on it <laughs> 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 she has some of the, and this, this second film as well it's just she's got some classic lines great lines yeah and i wonder how much of that was scripted as well you know yeah, yeah. Because I can imagine her just 
coming out with this, just them saying, this is a situation, this is what happens, just go for it. Yeah. Just have fun with the whole thing. You're because probably right. You can't take this serious. You can't take any of it serious. But she's still alive and she's complaining about the poo. But you've even got John in the back saying, no one's going to be out of motorboat them anymore and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but whilst they're talking about um, like the boobs and everything like that, Cole tries to escape. He makes it up to his bedroom only to be confronted by John. And he didn't mean it, but they're on the top floor. And obviously these American houses are much bigger than the UK houses, especially mine anyway, that he pushes kind of John away, but pushes him over the banister. And of course, being the film it is, he hits the table and his, his neck goes through some kind of a wall, glass of wall, which is on the table, which is shaped like the end of a spear. And yep. it's really gross, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's very well done. It was very oh, good. So funny. And the reaction to the friends as well is really interesting because none of them seem to give a shit that John's just bitten the dust. It's more of a fact that this kid is still outstanding and that someone needs to get hold of him. Mm. And that kind of sums them up. They're, they're just not friends. They're just not nice. Yeah. And this is this is, this is where Max comes in, doesn't it? And, and yes. he's trying to escape through the window. Um Am I right? So he's, he's trying to escape through the window, and Max is pulling him up. And like yeah. again, he's had his he's had his chance. He was low enough to probably drop. You're thinking, come on, drop, drop. And suddenly yeah. he's being he's being hauled up by Max. Yeah, it's a, as you say, it's a really tense moment because he does do the typical bed sheets tied together yeah. out the window. Yeah, and Max is pulling him up, and I didn't know which way it would go because I thought the higher he goes, he can't let go of that rope because yeah. something's going to happen to him. But yeah, he does let go of the rope, and he falls on the grass. And then he finds poor old Samuel, and that's another jump scare in the garage. And it reminded me of kind of Halloween, where the dead bodies are left. Um, and you've got Sam just standing there with claret dripping all down his head. And he, he goes under his house. He takes his firework with him, where you know it's going to be foreshadow. Yeah. And, he, and there's no way. I think even if I knew that there were psychopath killers after me, and I, and I knew that there were tarantulas underneath the house... I would not go underneath that house. Do you, do you know, that's a good point, actually, because it, he goes in, He uh, like many of these films, he will always go back into the house or around, you know, stay in that area. And he had a perfect opportunity, many opportunities, just to run into the neighbourhood. Yeah. And he didn't. And he, what did he do? He went straight back into the house, albeit underneath it. When yeah, he went into, in. yeah, he went into the garage, got an electric drill, went back to the house, drilled the side vent off then climbed underneath the house thinking that he could I can't understand why thinking that he could just spend the night under the house where yeah. the spiders are but it's just yeah I mean it's done in all of these films and they kind of why'd you go back when you had a chance to escape but Sonia then goes under the house um, and Sonia discovers that he's in there she's just about to leave but then he makes a noise he flicks that spider off which it's a mouse trap. And she thinks she's got him and she's got the knife. And fair play to him, he does manage to get out and he sprays this kind of bug spray in her face. And he lights his firework at her to try and take her out. And it doesn't. And the fact that when the kind of fireworks going off, he sprays her and it ignites and he blows her up underneath the house. <laughs> yeah. which, which I thought, again, it's just another entertaining comic book death, which isn't graphic and it gets rid of another one of our baddies that we've got on the screen. Yeah. 
but I must admit, I I was kind of quite surprised that she, because uh, I thought, to be honest, that she'd go be one of the last ones to go. Did you? Yeah, I don't know what? why. I, I mean, because I knew that um, I thought it was going to end up being um, her. She'll be one of the last ones, and that he'll get rid of um, Max next, and it will go like uh, John wasn't the bad one. Then Max will get rid of a big one. And then someone weak, and then someone good. I, I just thought it would go in that order because I just figured that Alison was dead because she got shot, mm. and it will kind of, and it will kind of raise the ante. Then it will get lower. But he meets Max, and out of everyone, that Max has got that physical prowess, and he's just a complete psychopath. And he's really, really got. A, I don't know if he's got a split personality or he's just that bonkers, which is proven. When Jeremy makes an appearance at the front of the house again. Yeah. Because it's so funny what happens to them, isn't it? Where he's coached by um, Max to go outside and face the bully and take the bully on, even though, and this is someone who's trying to kill you, who's giving you life advice. Onto how was, to deal with a bully. It's so weird, isn't it? That was a nice little twist, actually, because you expected him to. Because you see from the outset the way he dealt with um, um, the, the 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 first killing that he just thought it was funny, but it was almost like he had a soft spot for him, wasn't it? And he was he was giving him opportunities to try and build his confidence and build his you know build his uh, strength and ability to fight. Yeah, and that's why. That's kind of why I like this film so much because some of the things that happen, you just you'd expect them to be the last things to happen. Mm. I mean, he's at one point he's choking him, and then whilst he's choking him, he, he says, "What's that noise?" He goes, "Someone's egging my house," and he's like, "You've got to be shitting me, seriously!" It's the same kid <laughs> who eggs your house all the time, and then he gives him this life advice. You egg your house a lot sometimes. So what are you gonna do about it? What? I said, are you going to let that little punk come onto your property, your family's property, and disrespect you like that? No. Hell no. This is America. You need to wreck his ass. Are you kidding me? Get out there and crush that bitch. No, I don't know any other film that's done this, you know. Do you? No, I don't. Absolutely, no. The life advice he gives him is, is to... Isn't that where he says to him... Um, I can't remember like, about going to attack. What's the name of the lad again? The, the, the it's house. Jeremy. You need to go Jeremy, attack him. Yeah, he's bully you the rest of your life. Yeah. And he, the, the life advice he gives him, <clears throat> in his head, he wants to be that character in the film that he was sat watching with B, doesn't he? Because yes. he says, I'm going to. Um, what, do you remember the exact words he used? What, well, the life advice that Jeremy gives him? Um, no, sorry, that Max gives him. No, no, no. Do you remember the, sorry, the words. The words that the character used in in the film he he and B were watching. Oh um, no, I can't. Were, honestly, was something, I can't was something watch like, that. Um, I, "I'm going to I'm going to kick my I'm going to kick your that side of your face or my foot," something like that, right? Yeah. And because because Max has built his confidence up in his head, <clears throat> he suddenly thinks that he can do this, <laughs> and he he gives it his best attempt. He says he says to Jeremy, "I'm going to use my right foot and I'm going to kick that side of your head," something like that. Yes, and that's it goes right. nowhere yeah. near it, <laughs> and it just fails. Yeah. Yeah, it is one of the most feeble <coughs> attempts, bless him. And if you didn't know this kid, you'd honestly believe that he's got enough like kahunas to back this up with. Yeah. But yeah, and Jeremy just takes one swing and knocks him out. And even when he's on the floor, 
he's obviously telling Jeremy what's happening at home and that people are being murdered. I swear to God. And Jeremy pretends he's on his side. He obviously isn't, but I fully suspected. I mean, what did you think was going to happen, if anything, to Jeremy? I um, thought Jeremy was going to bite it. I really thought something was going to happen to Jeremy. I thought Max would come and take him out. 100% agree, yeah. yeah. Because the angle they show is just behind Mac, uh, behind Cole, and they show all of Jeremy. And usually yeah. that's a, a knife through the body or yeah. again, his head's going to come off. And they filmed it and left it open so much yeah. that even though it wasn't tension in the music, there was just tension in that scene. The camera angle brought that tension up, which I yeah. thought was was really clever. good. He it's just clever. gets an egg and smashes it on his head, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, clever. Really good. And even Max comes back and says to him, you talk too much. He helps him up and says, at least you stood up for yourself. And yeah. again, he raises him and supports him. Then Cole naively thinks, so you're going to let me go? And he's like, no way, I'm, I'm gonna still going to kill you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just so good. And he gets a look on his face of pure evil. And yeah. he chases him to the treehouse. And Max is obviously at the top of the treehouse and they kind of have a bit of a fight for for all the kind of strength that Cole's got can put up with. But you've got the rope hanging down the side and they, they do show that rope in several shots as a kind of foreshadow of what yeah. can happen. I mean, what did you think of, um, he ends up hanging himself by the rope by accident, but what did you mm. think of Max's death and the way he came out of this? What did I think about his death? <clears throat> um, he was going to die somehow falling from that tree, wasn't he? That, that I think that, that was pretty confident that's how he was going to die, how he was going to go. I just thought that he might fall to his death, but I, I didn't. I did not expect, even though you had the foreshadow of the rope, I didn't expect to see that he would be so hung so quite easily as yeah. he was. He almost fell into this knot and tangle, didn't he? Yeah, I, I was a bit. I got to admit, I was a bit disappointed with his death and the way he went out, mm. uh, and uh, just purely because you've got John with the the, uh, the ornament through his neck. And the comical way that you believe so far, Alison's dead. Yeah. And obviously Sonia as well getting blown up. It, it, this seemed quite lame. I wanted something to reflect his his kind of his ego that was brought down uh, that, yeah. that when he dies. Kind of like something humiliating, you know. I know kind of hanging isn't the best, but I just wanted something else because his character's so strong. And as, at the moment, he's like, appeared to be the strongest character out of all of them. Yeah, I think. So, uh, yeah, I mean, they're limited as to what they can do, really, aren't they? I think because of the scene, the situation they're in, <clears throat> they're in the garden with the with the tree and the, or they've got the house. It would mean going back into the house again and trying to achieve something else in the house. I'm not sure what they would have done. No, but, you no, know? no. It was, yeah, you can only do that so many times, can't they? You're right. Mm. But he does go across. He runs across the road and does the sensible thing for once. He goes to see his friend Melanie and tells her that yeah. they don't have orgies, that they're complete nutters um, yeah. and it just needs help. And you get the moment as they're talking that B comes across into the house and she's got a shotgun, um, which she stole from the police. And they're kind of, you get that tension where they're hiding that you know if B finds them that they're both going to die. Yeah. Uh, and, and he does like her. And it's a nice moment that he gets where he he does get to be the hero because he locks he kind of comical in a way that he thinks he's locked her in the bathroom um and he says look you stay here i need to end this 
and he locks her in, but the locks from her side, yeah, it kind of <laughs> it's quite a sweet, <laughs> touching moment. And they do kind of like become, I suppose, in a way, they do become boyfriend and girlfriend. That he's given that confidence to take it to the next step with her because he clearly yeah. likes her, and he's protected her, so she likes that as well. Yeah, <clears throat> and it, it's quite a nice moment. And mm. he goes back um, over the road to the and whilst he's searching around in the house that he comes across and it's strange he's got Alison sitting there and I thought she was dead and he, they do everything to raise that tension that she's laying there with her eyes shut yeah. he puts his hand over her face he pokes her and listens to her breathing and each time he does a different thing to reassure himself that she's dead you expect her to wake up don't you yeah but you're thinking why are you doing it son <laughs> yes exactly and what i do like is that when you do believe he's dead he does walk away to the kitchen and it's a, the uh the camera pans out that you see the chair she was sitting in that was empty empty yeah he doesn't see that does he no and it's i think it's so so clever and he does see the book um yeah. of kind of the satanic book of spells of the sacrifice and as he's looking through that allison comes back and starts beating him and again, yeah. it's really strange because as soon as this auntie reaches a climax, as you think one of them is going to die, he squeezes her boob where she's been shot. Yeah. And, and she has a go at him. Yeah. It's, it's so bizarre, isn't it? It was. That was that was quite a funny bit. There was a bit as well in there that um, he was trying to look for a knife. There was, and his, he remembers his dad telling him off about the knife at the beginning of the film. Um, about and his dad put it in the dishwasher and he thought, oh, it's in the dishwasher. I can yes. defend myself with that. Open the dishwasher, nothing there. So he is like, what can he do? He can only use his hands really to defend. So he squeezed her boob. And the weird thing about that is, um, after like, because she says to like that, oh, I'm, my boobs are horrible. Again, she goes on about how she looks. Obviously, her uh, uh, physical appearance is really important to her. That he says, no, you could be anything you want. You're clever enough. And yeah. for a minute, she's like, really? You think so? Yeah. Because, yeah, you're super smart and you're really She wants hot. to be a journalist. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I only signed up for this dumb shit so I could have my dream job. And instead, what do I have now, huh? This one deflated, ugly boob. I, I mean, you're still super hot. What kind of job do you want? A journalist. I could be wrong, but I don't think it would be hard for you to have a cool life. Really? You think so? You think maybe we could just walk out of this whole thing and you just call the police and just, you know, forget this ever happened? Yeah. Exactly. Do you think I give a fuck what you're talking about? Yeah, and it's weird because as you just said, when he goes to the dishwasher and has that moment back of where the parents move the knife to, the mum is pulling the dad off in bed that's right yeah i forgot that but you're right she's, she's actually she's on a laptop or something and he's uh, just yeah she's multitasking yeah <laughs> Re- i think reading the news and pulling <laughs> <it off. laughs> it's really strange because yeah she's reading a book he's watching the tv and under the covers her hands going up and down yeah and they're talking about where they put the knife and so weird <laughs> that it. was so weird it's so unexpected. Most, yeah, the most bizarre thing that, again, I haven't seen in any other um, film. That did make me laugh. But, in the middle of a scene like this. But again, it just shows it was it was just completely off the wall, wasn't it? But hilarious. 
Oh, it bounces around everywhere. And again, when you think, finally, Alison has got him. She's got the knife. He's got a lighter. There is no way out of this for him. He can't do anything. Yeah. And suddenly, Alison's head explodes everywhere. And B has blown her one of her, what you think, believe to be, is her best friend's head off. She shot her in the head with a shotgun at close range. Yeah. Uh, and you just don't expect it, do you? The, again, this film throws curveballs at you yeah. time after time. And his face is covered in uh, skull <laughs> and brain and blood. It's just it, gross. And again, you like, wonder where, you know, wh- where can you go from that? Because they were supposed to be, you know, she was supposed to be her best friend. But then thinking about, like, you know how... She, how injured she was she got shot in the boob right you think yeah. that would have gone into her lungs and you know that she potentially she could be dead and then uh, going on to the second film you think you know was there were they actually demons in the first place you know yes. they could live through all this you know so it, it was interesting to see that she was almost uh, untouchable yeah, she was, and she kind of, I think they, they all prove that by their, their arrogance or confidence throughout all of this, and mm. I mean, it ends up really the final scene is Cole's got the book of spells, um, and he's got the lighter, and he's going to burn it, and he keeps his light going, and I honestly thought that lighter, it's one of those long ignitions for the hole, yeah. that I thought that was going to burn out, did you? Yeah, same here, I was just waiting for it just to, just to go poof. Yeah, and, and I don't know whether they kept it on to add to the suspension, um, the suspense that you thought that that was going to happen as yeah. an attention, or whether that was just, that was never on the cards that had to happen. And he does set fire to it, and he does the right thing. When he kind of chucks it on the floor, she's putting it out, and he runs and goes and gets the muscle car from the complete bell in, from Mel and his dad across <laughs> the road. And you get the payoff, and you get kind of flashbacks from when his dad's driving. And again, flashbacks from uh, B saying, you'll always get what you want if you try hard enough. And it kind of pays off. And he revs his car and drives it towards the house, um, which is a hell of a gamble because he's never driven before. And again, I love the fact the speedometer flashes up on the screen as he's driving. Yeah. It's It's, so good. So modern. It's just a great twist. Yeah. Very brilliant. And they've got We Are The Champions playing on the radio as well, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, that's fantastic. The, um, uh, what was this? No, no, I'll leave that. That's to the second film, sorry. And it does a full A-team twist. When the car's driving towards the house, it goes half up a ramp, twists yeah. in the air, and lands kind of half lands on top of her in the lounge. And uh, you, well, we'll kind of talk about the end bit a bit, but... So she's out of it. So he gets out of the car and they kind of have a, I suppose it's a kind of a touching moment. But um, yeah, it's a bit of a kind of a bonding moment where she's not meant to be as bad as she is. But, and he goes through the super predators of the team, what they were talking about earlier, who take into space the Koalians. And he's kind of gone full arc now, hasn't he? He's so confident. He's taken out, what is it? Five psychopaths and driven a car all yep. in one night when he's probably spent years trying to build himself up to that and it's it's quite a nice quite a nice ending in a way and then his mum and dad arrive then the, the guy arrives whose car it is and he's spitting feathers and then jeremy <laughs> comes out with his mates 
And Jeremy tries to give him some attitude with regards to what happened, and his mates just don't listen to him. And they do that kind of sign again, don't they? That yeah. they're on um, Cole's side. And uh, it, it's quite a nice moment. He's there with his face covered in blood, isn't he? Yeah, it, it was a very good um, end of a character arc, wasn't it? It's, it's, you can see that he's achieved pretty much everything that he's everything that was set out from the beginning. He's been in, he's been injected and was, uh, or he had a needle in him, and yeah. he didn't cry or scream. You know, he, he drove a car. He's managed to defeat all these villains. Um, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. And did you? And it kind of when his parents turn up and everything, it, it kind of ends there. But did you see the post credit scene on this? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't, know. Yeah, when you watch it, I mean, uh, if you uh, go on to about, say, one, one, one minute, one hour, 21 minutes, something like that. Yeah. And um, Or just short of one minute, 22, that you've got a fireman going through the house of the debris where the car's turned over, and he looks at the end of the car, and B isn't there, and then suddenly B comes out, and you see her face, uh, like, screaming, and then it just cuts away. That she's still alive. Ah, okay. I will go and have a look at that tomorrow. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the end of the film, and that's the Babysitter 2017. I mean, it's a a film that I really did enjoy. It that's so off the wall and so random, and it's such an original kind of slasher, kind of home invasion type film. It's a, a really entertaining film, and I'd love to know what you thought of it all. Well. I liked it on the whole. I think there were there was it was completely unexpected and it was a good hour and a half of of entertaining gore and comedy. Um, I really enjoyed it. I think I, it was I preferred it one to two. Um, yeah, I, I really quite enjoyed it. Yeah, and you you did as well. Yeah, hundred percent. I I really really enjoyed this. I thought it was um, as you get really different when I watched it. I didn't know first whether Samara Weaving would be a goodie, baddie, and when mm. it started getting bad, the level of violence really shocked me, but the way they dealt with it, I found really entertaining that they didn't yeah. take itself serious. And nothing throughout this film takes itself serious. I think if it did, the film wouldn't succeed. Yeah. And I think that it does it everything as a joke. Um, and I think um, Judah Lewis, who plays Cole, is really, really good character. Yeah. Uh, and he plays it so well, and I love the arc that he has. And it's just a really entertaining film. And I didn't expect a lot. Again, that's McGee a second time who's kind of surprised me with this film. And what's your, what would you score this out of five? And if you had to pick a, a best bit and a worst bit, what would it be? And would you recommend it to anyone? I would say, because of my, I would say I'd give it a four out of five because I did enjoy it. Yeah. I think the best bit isn't just one bit. I think the, the best there are best bits and that would be the twist just because there were so many things that you just didn't expect that i didn't expect um that we discussed um so many bits that the, the twists and turns that the, that were so unusual um the worst bit um worst bit. what would be my worst bit uh Maybe there's none. Maybe that's I, it. I don't. I can't. Do you know? I yeah. I've seen it a couple of times, and, and I I could thinking at the time. I was trying to look for it. I, I honestly can't. It's not. It, 
yeah, I can't think of a worse bit to be honest with you. It's just it's just a bit of fun, isn't it? Yeah, and I completely agree. I I think there isn't a worse bit for me. I completely because it doesn't take itself serious. That mm. it's if it was pointing out facts and figures and trying to be serious the way it kills people on the home invasion side of things, it would have failed. But because it's just having fun as it goes along, I think it works really, really well. And out of pure surprise for the originality of this and how much I enjoyed it, I'd give it a four out of five. I thought it was really, really good. And it does get really mixed reviews. I mean, I was mistaken. He's not 12. He's 14 years old in this. um, Because the next one's two years after when he goes to high school. So he'd be 16. Um, But no, I thought it was a really, really enjoyable film. And I mean, we touch. I watched the second one yesterday. Um, I know you've seen it. And the second one is two years after the event um, that he's at high school. And it's really bizarre. I mean, the second one, admittedly, I didn't find as enjoyable. Um, But it's got exactly the same casting, hasn't it? And the twist is that even though they've died, they're all back again. And his next door neighbour, Melanie, has sold him out and sold her soul to the devil. And... uh, she's really really evil and kind of orchestrates a lot of things and you've got a new character phoebe uh jenny ortega jenna ortega who kind of takes melanie's part as a cold psychic mm. and it's really bizarre it's set on a boat the majority and on, and on land of them again he's being hunted down uh and jenna is um not jenna that's her real name uh phoebe is for this ritual isn't she or yeah. they both are the fact that the fact that Melanie turned on them, turned on him, that was completely unexpected. I didn't expect that whatsoever. I, I kind of knew that B would come back, um, and maybe the other the other characters as well. But I did not know that you know, that was completely unexpected. The yeah. other thing that I noticed as well that that Cole and Melanie they look so much older, but the other characters, Max, John, Allison, they looked they had not changed a bit. No. Not at all. None of them had, had they? No, it's like they were cry, you know, putting cryogenics. Yeah. Especially Max the bastard with his six pack. <laughs> I know. It's it's so funny. And again, he's got his top off, and they they make reference to that, but they do it in a really light-hearted way. The fact that all of his body, like, why wouldn't you have your top off all the time? But it's interesting that Melanie came across so sweet at the start of this film. Yeah. Until you realised that she was in on it. And it's interesting how you see her in a completely different light, and she plays to that really well. She did, she yeah. Then comes across, and like the lighting and the angles that she's filmed at comes across and looks really evil and sinister. Yeah, it's done so well. But yeah, did you think it's as good as the first one, or did you kind of? It's the same recipe, so you knew what you were getting. Uh, <clears throat> I didn't think it was as good as the first one, and you knew that it had to come to some con- some conclusion. Um, I didn't expect the ending to play out as it did with B dying. No. Um, but I, yeah, I think that it, 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 again, it was it was a good bit of fun. I think, but I think it was more. I don't know. It, it, it was it was good fun. Yeah, it's one yeah, it is kind of as I said like before. It's like disposable, isn't it? You can watch yeah. it and you can have good fun with it, but it's not something you'd go to again because the, the main reason why these are so good is because it's it's the shock factor and the fun that they yeah. have with it. And once yeah. you know what's coming, that 
I mean, again, John gets covered in blood and he's the uh, the brunt of a lot of jokes, which work really well. But watching it on a second time or a third time, I, I don't think it would work. And yeah. because you wouldn't get the shocks, the whole thing would suffer. But, but yeah, I mean, I think if anyone likes the kind of the slasher genre, or the horror one, but definitely give this a go. And again, um, ready or not as well, if you can find that to watch uh, with Samara Weaving. That's really, really interesting because that is a, a real twist on a kind of like a hide and seek game. It's really, really good film. But yeah, so that was um, The Babysitter currently available on Netflix in the UK. Um, so watch that and give it a go. Listen to our podcast. We're going to carry on hopefully next week with our Terminator franchise where we'll be t- doing Terminator Genesis. And then Dark Fate after that. And then uh, then we're going to be following that with another big franchise. We'll be going through all the Indiana Jones films, which will be really, really entertaining. But subscribe to that. We're on YouTube, the Film Realcast. Thanks to everyone who subscribed. It goes up every day so much. So I'm really grateful for everyone who's subscribing and leaving their comments. And you can subscribe on iTunes and on all good Android platforms for our podcast. Um, it gets bigger and bigger every month. Last month we had 38,000 downloads. Um, so it's just, it's going wild at the moment. So thanks to everyone. And two podcasts a week now. We're doing um, Loki on Saturday, myself and Neil. So that will be coming in a couple of days' time. So we're available on iTunes and um, Twitter, Facebook, everywhere. You can just find us. Put the film broadcast in Google and we'll come up. So, Paul, thanks ever so much for joining me, mate. It's good to Thank have you, you back. Thank you, mate. Yes, it's good to be back. I'll be back next week as well. Excellent stuff. Yes. Excellent. Are you going to be joining us? We'll have you back full-time now, I hope. Full-time. Full-time. Excellent. Time. Excellent. Because yeah. I know you're partial to the 80s Indiana Jones films, aren't you? Ah, uh, 100%. Yeah. I'm just sad that I missed the Terminators, the first three. Well, you've got two quite controversial ones coming up with regards to a divided opinion, so it'll be quite interesting, I think. Well, I haven't seen these, so I shall have to watch them fantastic brilliant well it's great to have you back thanks to everyone for listening to this podcast I, we really appreciate your time and uh, we'll be back next week with Terminator Genesis goodbye